0: This morning as we continue in worship, what a unique opportunity. You've always already heard me allude to the fact that we have a unique passage today that speaks to family. And so we're just going to continue on in this focus and in this attention towards what the roles are within families. So I'm going to encourage you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. In your sermon notes this morning, and by the way, if anybody needs a Bible, just raise your hands and our ushers will bring you one, and uh, we would love to help you and serve you in that capacity. This morning, as you turn to Colossians 3, what we're going to do is with your your, uh, sermon notes, there's going to be two, I've got one right here in the front row um, for a Bible. We're going to split this into two sermons. So if you look at your sermon notes, you're going to see some of the sermon notes We're cheating a little bit. You get to see some of the precursory stuff for next week as well. That's what we call a teaser trailer. It seems to work for Hollywood. We're going to try it here. So this morning, as we move forward, I just want to say very carefully at the front level, if you've brought any weapons of choice, please keep them holstered, do not shoot me today, I am just the messenger, alright, this is one of those passages that can step on toes, and I just really want to help you, I'm going to arduously work at making sure that we pull this around to a, a proper perspective, but often what happens is what I call the Facebook phenomenon, if you put anything out there on Facebook that is talking about Uh, um, A political or a social issue, chances are pretty good you're going to step on someone's toes without even knowing it and you've hit some hot buttons. And once you hit those hot buttons, you've lost the person. They're not going to really hear what you're saying. So just let's all pull together in unity. Wait till the end to throw your bricks to hit me with darts or tomatoes or any rotten fruit. All right. Agreed? All right. Fantastic. That way I can run before I let you know when we're done. All right, this morning, we're going to be talking about a successful family. That is really the title of this message a successful family. And when we think about that concept, I have a very simple question for you. How many of you, and just by a show of hands, want an unsuccessful broken family? Fantastic. I'm speaking to the right group today. Now I'm going to transition real quickly into sports. I don't really do that very often. If you're new here, I'm not into sports whatsoever. But tune in today, 5 o'clock, for the world's greatest sporting event as the Warriors go to match at 72. Man, they keep teasing us, right? My wife nearly had a heart attack yesterday. So I'll be watching from the other room today. But that's not the sport I want to take us to. I want to take us to football today. Now, I just have some very simple, interactive questions to get us going. Uh, Who's the most important player on the football team? I heard quarterback, and then I heard a couple other things. The team? The whole team? Anybody else? Now, let's just say that you're a Bay Area resident, and maybe you're supportive of the local Bay Area football teams. Um... It would stand to reason that there may have been points in time during this past season if you were supporting a team that's from Santa Clara, they'll go unnamed, 49ers. And uh, there may have been points in time where you thought you could throw that ball better than the current quarterback, right? Raise your hand. Unfortunately, Sam is not here today, Um, but I know he'd be raising his hand. Um, Yes, right there. She says she could throw it better than... A four-year-old says she could throw it better than Colin Kaepernick. Imagine this scenario. Colin's O Let's just give him some credit. He's 2 for 38, okay? He's completed two passes, and you are a wide receiver on that team that has played qu- quarterback in high school and college. Would it be crossing your mind like Uncle Rico? Coach, just put me in. Just put me in. I can do better than this. Have you ever thought that when the lead guy is crashing and burning? Have you ever thought that at work when your boss isn't doing it the way you think it should be done? Have you ever thought that when in your family things aren't being done the way you think they should be done? Now let me ask you, I I asked you who's the most important person But would the quarterback say that they're the most? Some might. (laughs) But what if the offensive lineman doesn't do what they're supposed to do? Can the quarterback do what they're doing? No. And then let's go to the idea that let's talk about who's a more valuable person, not just a player. Because when we're talking about players, we're talking about roles on a team. Let's just talk about the person of who they are. Who on that team is the most valuable person? The MVP, let's change it around. Anybody got any suggestions? So the quarterback is the most valuable person. We're saying as a person, that individual is worth more. They are to be valued above all of the lives. Now the insurance policies would say that. Chance, what would you say? The safety. Would that be safety insurance? I don't even know what that joke meant. Where does the coach come in? Exactly, where does the coach come in? Where's the general manager? Where's the owner come in? But talking about the person versus the role is what I'm trying to get us to think about. According to our preamble or our constitution, however you want to look at it, all men are created what? Oh, I thought it was according to different salary caps. Right? No, we're all created equal. And we speak on that level, but yet when we look at some of these details when it comes to roles, not everybody is perceived as equal by the public. The challenge is, just like Chance said, who has played football and played well, Chance would tell you that the team is preeminent. The team is preeminent. And when we operate that way, we see great things happen. Remember the title today is A Successful Family. And many of you are familiar with the Warriors and how many of the Warriors last year, in order to succeed, specifically Andre Iguodala, he took a subservient role to come in with the second team instead of be on the first team. And there was a good strategy to that. And in the end, ultimately, what happened? That team was successful at their ultimate goal because of the sacrificing attitude of somebody who had every right to say, I should be on the first team. And how was that person rewarded? With an MVP trophy for the finals. Not just that, but public perception truly holds that choice and that attitude and that character in a higher echelon. People look to that and that's inspirational, isn't it? So this morning as we look at families, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some pictures of different families. Isn't that great? Isn't that just beautiful? How many of you guys love taking family photos? Because they always go like this, right? I love those pictures on the internet of the family photo shoot, the ones that shouldn't make it into the portfolio where everybody's griping, complaining. We have some black and whites, because that's what it was back in my day, of me and my sister. And I'm a little baby, and she's probably five years old. And it's hilarious, because the first shot is her smiling and me just whining and complaining. Then the next shot is the same. And then the next shot, she's starting to get a little perturbed, and I'm I'm just kind of... which is my normal look, right? And then the next shot is me starting to smile and her just rolling her eyes... And the last shot is heard pouting and me laughing my head off. Those are real family pictures. So we look at this shot and we say, wow, that's just a beautiful picture of the family, isn't it? Yet sometimes our family picture looks like this. If someone were to take a portrait of your family, which one do you want it to look like? And the question is, how do you get there? Scripture speaks to that. I have a favorite family that comes out of media, and I want to share it with you. Well, actually, before we get there, a lot of what we're talking about when it comes to roles is control, isn't it? There's So much of the time, whether it's in our business, whether it's in our personal relationships, whether it's in our, our marriages or any other relationship. A lot of times where we end up having conflict and the family starts to fall apart, it's because of control. Let me give you one image that demonstrates my point and see if you agree with me. No, that did not resonate at all. That just fell flat on the ground. How many of you, uh, this is my wife and I. There is a constant wrestling over the remote control. By a second... Now, she would sabotage it. Anyway, <laughs> this truly is the picture of what we wrestle with so much of the time is control, right? Remember the wide receiver who's looking at his quarterback who's gone two for 38? He's like, I can do better. Let me step in. I want control. But that's not their role, is it? There's a great Pixar movie, favorite Pixar movie, I I won't speak for my family. I know it's up there for them, but it is my favorite for me. It wasn't written for children. It is written to include all of these parameters that happen within the family. And it's so honest and so real. And yet they come together as a team. And that's what I want you to focus on today is how do we focus as a family, as a team. Some of you are nodding like you already figured out who it is. And let's see if you are right. Yes, the Incredibles. I encourage you, if you've never seen this show, go and watch. It's, it's this perfect understanding of the family dynamics and the struggle for control. And yet, when each person in that family fulfills their roles, they are able to conquer over evil. That's just a little picture for you to help you with where we're going this morning. Let's get into the Scripture today as we look at what God has. Colossians 3, 18-21 is our primary Scripture this morning. And you can turn there, uh, or you can just look at it on the screen if you prefer. <clears throat> so this morning, we'll read verses 18-21. through 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged you Now, this morning I want you to think about that bottom statement in context to where we're looking at in Scripture coming together is a beginning keeping together is progress working together is success so the families that we had up here on stage remember that concept and remember these biblical principles let's look at it and we'll give some scriptures that fit within this that help kind of break this down We're going to break this down according to two different things. Number one is precept, and we'll look at all the precepts as we go through that passage. What are the commands? What are the principles? What are the precepts that we're looking at? What does precept mean? It's an idea or principle to be understood and applied. And so we start with the very first precept, and that is the idea to submit. Well, what does that mean? Now, I'm going to give you a little bit different explanation because I think that this is where we get caught up. And number one, this is where one of, the, one of the sections that is often not preached in churches because pastors are scared to talk about this passage. So again, I already asked the women to holster their weapons. Thank you very much. But here's where we have a problem with all of this. not just this idea of submit, but when we get into love and we get into obey and we get into these other precepts. Is that what our society has done with these terms that Paul puts out, is that we've kind of gotten a new flavor as to what that term means. Do you understand me? We've gotten a new flavor and we've kind of become chameleon Christians. In other words, how the day goes and and how the winds of change or what culture dictates, sometimes we adopt that or we conform to that or it flavors our view. Remember what I mentioned out of Scripture. We serve Who? We serve Christ. So this morning, the biggest challenge you and I have as we embark on this passage is, are we here to serve other people's worldview, our own worldview, or Christ's worldview, when it comes to living and being a successful family? Now you've already agreed with me that if your offensive lineman decides to try to be the quarterback, your team is going to be in trouble. Have you ever seen an offensive lineman just in the middle of a game just walk up and try to grab the ball from the quarterback and start throwing it? No, because they're not going to be successful. So I've given a little bit of a, of, a, of a flavoring to this word so that you can understand what Paul is trying to say with the word versus how we would perceive it today. It's this idea of the act of prioritizing others above oneself. It is not this sense of lording over and putting women in their place. And yet that's kind of the perception when we hear this. And I get it, I understand it. That's, why would we think anything else? But this isn't what Paul is saying. Paul is giving some very specific instruction to roles. And so this, this day and age, we have some challenges. Particularly, I'll just speak to one, in the church. Where do women fit in the church? They fit in the areas of service that God has called them to. Fulfill your role. That's it. God, for each person, take gender out of it. And you'll see in Galatians where it speaks about, from the very words of Paul, who is seen as misogynistic by so many um, of the female gender, as a, as a tone of criticism, that very same Paul speaks about the fact that there is neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, nor male nor female in the kingdom of heaven, that we are all equally valuable according to the Lord. So what is he trying to say? he 's speaking to, how can you succeed as a family? And so he says, women, you need to submit to your husbands. This is an act of prioritizing others above yourself. Well, what does that look like? Let's, let me break it down for you. Let me give you a, some more flavor for it. All right, Romans 12.10 And there's some couples in here that have gone through my premarital counseling. You know that I take you to this passage. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is another view of prioritizing others above yourself. Ephesians five nineteen through 21. Now watch this. This is fascinating because we often skip over it. Often all we hear is women are to submit, women are to submit. And in our current culture, that's going to lead us down a, a, a different path than what Christ and Paul is trying to say. And let me demonstrate why. You ready? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual... Wait a minute, that's Colossians 3. Didn't we just preach about that last week? You see the flavor that, that Paul's doing is the same message to Colossians is, as it was to the church in Ephesus. This is how you function well as a family. This is how you succeed as a church family. And he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it comes, the bonus check. Are you ready? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you realize that this idea, this concept, is on all of us in order to have unity? In order to have peace and in order to succeed? We had a fun little experiment in my family. I I just finished uh, my master's this past week and I had to finish up with one class called conflict management. And one of the questions on the test was the five different styles of conflict management. And so I thought I'd have fun with it and ask my family hey, I want you guys to classify everybody else. So we kind of brought the kids. Gentry wasn't there yesterday, so we'll have to do that with you later. But we brought in the kids at different times and said, hey, all right, Ollie Ollie oxen free. You can't can't be uh, cracked back on for this. So feel free to say what you think, you know, mom and I are as far as our conflict management style and, and all of this. And so we had some fun with that. But what we realized is that there really truly is this essence where... Submitting to one another at the right times is a demonstration of what it means to be Christ-like. And when you understand that role as God has given it within the family, then the family can be successful. This morning, I just want to encourage you that that we'll bring this in a little bit later on um, and talk about it. But I have to cover the, the wholeness of all this. And we'll get back to it when we get to the people, when we get to the wives but we'll explore this out a little bit more, but I, I just really want the women in the room to understand, and, and you'll see it when we get into the perfect family demonstration at the end of the, the sermon, and it's just a teaser, I'm into these teaser trailers, it will be the jump off point next week. But There's a beautiful picture of the perfect team couple in the New Testament, and I bet you never knew it. And we're going to examine these concepts through that. But I want you to understand that that act that Paul is talking about, about submitting, that this is an act of love. This is an act that you are doing in your role as that wife. And I don't necessarily think that because of how we look at the word submit today, that that is really resonating with what Paul is asking for success. We'll get to that point, ladies, when we get to the word wives. Because we're breaking it down precept and then people. So hang on with me. Men, we're on you now. And just when the ladies thought Paul was hammering on them, men, this is harder. This is more difficult. And it says this, that we need to love. We need to love with a sacrificing love that's without condition for others. Sacrificial love is what Paul is talking about. Now we can look at the Ephesians passage a little bit later on, but let's break this down according to John John fifteen, thirteen, and first Corinthians. Ready? So husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let me just explain some cultural differences because this, this stuff, this pattern that Paul lays out, often in churches it's seen as something that's it doesn't apply today. This was cultural for that time. Let me help you understand. Culturally at that time, women in the Jewish mindset were seen as property. Alright? They were seen as property. There is a uh, statement coming out of the Mishnah, which is some writings by the rabbis on, on the Talmud and the Torah. And this statement by this rabbi simply says this. That... I would rather burn the Torah than teach it to a woman. Do you start to understand the Jewish mindset towards women? There was no personalization of women at that time. So if we're talking about culture, when Paul's saying, wives submit to husbands, taking it And looking at exactly what Paul's saying, he's saying in your role, you are to be a support. You are to be a support to the husband. Why do I say that? Where's my grounding in that? Go back to Genesis. Go back to the order of creation and the roles. That God created man and created both of them in their image, in God's image. And Scripture says that God created woman because man just couldn't get it done. Right, women? I mean, that, that's my alliteration, but, but it's true that, that man needed help. And so the word here in the, in the Septuagint is paraclete. It's this idea of coming alongside and helping, being a teammate. Does that sound like the view of submission that we have today? That's not what's out there. This concept of submitting is to, to push someone down. The concept of submitting, actually the word um, Islam, means to submit if I'm correct. And that's under the pressure and under the force of oppression. That's what we're familiar with. That is so far and fleet of foot from what Paul is talking about. But here's the challenge for the men: husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So why did I talk about that cultural thing for so long? Because in that culture, the Jewish men were what? They were harsh to the women. And so he's reprimanding them and saying, you need to be loving. You need, and in Ephesians 5, he goes to a great extent to say, your relationship with your wife, men, is like Christ with the church. You are to sacrifice for her. How you treat your own body, you're to treat her better than that. Does that sound like Paul has a low view of women? I don't think so. But what he's trying to do, again, is give a recipe for a successful family. So that when we fit these roles correctly, they go well. Now there may be some questions out there, I'll, get, uh, I'll continue this. Love's, in this in just a moment. There may be some questions that I would have if I was hearing this, like, well, pastor, what do you do in an abusive situation for women? Are they supposed to submit? Remember, the idea is support. Let me just say this to you ladies, if you are in an abusive situation, Remember this part during our child dedication where we said this community, this family is here to support you. If you're in a situation like that, number one, he's in trouble in the sense of being off balance and he needs help if he's abusing you, right? So if this was one of your children and they were off balance and they needed help, wouldn't you do everything to help them? Absolutely. If you're in danger if your family's in danger, because He is a danger, you come here, and we will help. When it comes to the issue of women's rights and and to the issue of equal pay and all of those things, I I, I got in this little Facebook tete-a-tete again. I'm constantly doing that. and I stepped on some toes with very blanket statements that pushed buttons. Remember I told you about pushing buttons, right? And, and in fact, this person was trying to hold me accountable to things that just weren't there. But they're part of the conversation. So they assumed some things and started to kind of go after me. And so I, I was very careful to remind them, no, that's not really what I was saying. And, and here are these aspects of I would support you. If you need help, just let me know. But that speaks to this issue of women's rights. I feel like if you have two people in the room that are qualified and one's more qualified for a job, pay them what they're worth. Okay? And our society struggles with that. When you look at the football team, every person on that team is of the same worth as a human being. Christ values each of you. He died on the cross for each of you. Each person was created in His image. Let's remember that when we get into this dialogue. Now, husbands, you're supposed to love unconditionally. Let's look at the, first, or the John 15, 13 passage. Because I told you that the, I, I, I kind of paraphrased the Ephesians 5 passage where Christ says, this relationship between you and your wife, husbands, is much like me and the church. The church is my bride, and I sacrifice, and I do everything I can. And it says that, that men are to present their wives pure and blameless. That they are to treat their wives better than they treat themselves. Paul is speaking to these misogynistic men that see women as property. And saying, you've got to get your life turned around, and you've got to start treating women with the respect and the love that Christ wants you to treat them with. And if you don't understand what that looks like, look at what Christ did. And so here's John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than someone laid down his life for his friends. So what does it mean to love your wife, man? It means that you are daily sacrificing and putting her where? First. In all circumstances. Not above Christ, but above yourself. Men, we are to love our wives and lift them up so that they are these cherished, beautiful trophies that shine. And that they are ready on that day when they stand before the Lord that they have been taken care of. They are that precious thing that You've been given an opportunity to share life with. And You are a steward to love That which God has created and entrusted you with. And men, I think we are much more about being successful in our business life than we are about being husbands. I think we love so much more our own accolades because this is how we are wired than making sure our wives are exalted and lifted up. Do we love our wives the way Christ loved the church? Well, here's your jump off point, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. If I'm having a fight with my wife over the remote, I think I need to review this verse. Now listen, honey. Don't get any ideas about putting your name on that permanently. We'll find, well, we'll have Brad arbitrate for us off days and on days on the remote. But love is patient and kind. Right? Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Men, is this how our wives would describe us? It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Oh, my whole family might rein in on that one. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. What does that mean? Well, men... Have we ever gotten into that moment where we did the old ha-ha-ha, yeah, but you... because we get into that competitive mode? Love does not rejoice in that wrongdoing. As opposed to, I dare say, that there are some players on the 49ers that were really excited every time Colin didn't complete a pass this past year. Just one step closer towards that guy being gone does that sound like a successful plan for a team no no and yet i think there are some men they withhold their love this kind of love christ-like love from their wives because unfortunately they're looking for a way out they say it's too hard men it is not too hard under the power of jesus christ amen that is the problem with our men today. That was just a, there was no steel rod in your back on that one. Men, can I get an amen? amen? All right, we're getting better. Maybe you're feeling a little kicked right now. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. There's a clarity to our roles. Mr. Incredible doesn't have the ability to be a parachute. But Mrs. Incredible does and saved her children through that. But Mrs. Incredible can't put a force field around the family like her daughter can. And when they all started using their abilities and their roles, just like 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the church, they were able to overcome anything and everything. When we we fall in line with the roles that God has given us that are good. And we see them through Christ's eyes, not the world's eyes. When we are Christ-serving Christians and not chameleon Christians. Then we see the goodness and the value of these precepts. Last precept today. Obey. Obey. To honor the authority over you by action and choice. And I have, this is for children. So, those in the room that are children today, listen, you may want to claim this as a cultural point again. Yeah, you don't want to go there. Because at that point in time under Roman law, if, if I was like 72 and my son's 40, he still has to obey me. You know? Now, that's not, that's not what, what Christ is talking about here. He's talking about the child in the family that is not yet reached to adult and, and adult responsibilities. That our children are to obey. So what does that obey mean? Well, I love this story in 1 Samuel. And I'll turn there real briefly. <clears throat> in 1 Samuel, uh, what is it, 15, 13. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, I lost myself. 1 Samuel 15, 1-25. So, you have this passage where Saul, King Saul, was told by Samuel, hey, you need to go fight this battle. God has asked you to do this. So he goes and he fights the battle. But he was supposed to eliminate everything. It's supposed to be done. Now, that's a hard choice. That's a hard choice. And so Samuel comes walking down the road. Well, he's not... He's not ambivalent towards what's happened. God spoke to him and God says, my anger burns against Saul because he has not followed through and obeyed what I've asked him to do. So Samuel's a little ticked. So Samuel shows up and plays coy and says, hey, how you doing, Saul? how things go? Oh, yeah, man, we had great success. And uh, I did exactly what God asked me to do. And uh, Samuel, just a hilarious guy, just one of those guys. And, and, he, and he's like, oh, and those sheep I can hear in the distance, you know, meowing. What to, I just hate the word bleeding. Nobody knows what that means. It's confusing. So sheep meow for this story. What is it? I can hear these sheep in the background. They're supposed to be eliminated. And uh, you know, this and this and this. Wasn't that part of the deal? And Saul says, you know, on that point, I really wanted all that to happen. But you know, it's these people that made the choice to do it differently. And Samuel says, because of your disobedience, you have found disfavor with the Lord and you are no longer His anointed one. Ouch. Let me tell you how that works. You ever had your kids or kids in the room? Have you ever been caught for doing something? And so you want to say, hey, I, I did this, I did, I, and then when the evidence shows up, it's like, oh. And then your whole story changes because that's what happens in the story with an adult. Once there's a realization that he didn't do and God spoke to Samuel and there's no hiding, suddenly uh, the, the king saw his entire story changes. Well, you don't understand how hard this was, how difficult this was. Folks, the reality of this story is, is pretty simple. God has his will for us. And that will is good and that will is perfect. Children, His will is good and perfect. And by obeying your parents, you're doing what God wants you to do. And there's a promise with that, that if you obey your parents, it's going to go well for you. It's going to go well for you. So, a big part of this challenge is, are we teaching our children to be obedient? And we'll get to that in a minute. Revelation 2.7 gives us a better understanding of what this means to be obedient. So I want you to key in on this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. See, God's approach is to reward obedience. Where's the word obedience in there? I, I don't see it listed anywhere. It's the word conqueror. You see, when I don't obey, the reason I don't obey is because there's temptation to what? Temptation to do something outside of the will of my parents, the will of my employer, or the will of God. If I'm able to conquer over that temptation, there is a reward. You see, obey, again, in our society, has this connotation of suppression and suppression and supp- Why don't we look at it in the sense of just conquering over temptation? Do you understand the concept? That if we're able to conquer over the temptation to do our own will versus God's will, then it's going to go well for us. Parents, those parents that were up on the stage, parents in the room, how are we doing with teaching our children to obey? Because there's much at stake. Do you want them to have that blessing? You want them to have that blessing in life that God has promised them. Then we need to help them understand the importance of obeying. So let's break it down according to people. Here's my question. Who's responsible for what role? Well, wives, what does a team player look like? And here is my description. It's supportive. It's to be supportive. It's not our common day understanding of this word submit. Right? This oppressive understanding that, that I'm not seen as an equal person. I'm not seen as someone who deserves all that, that God's people deserve. That I'm underneath the fo- oppressive foot of my husband. That's not what Paul's talking about. Now Paul has a bunch of rules and we'd have to speak to that at a different time. He has a bunch of rules that have to do with worship and conducting worship and order of worship that were connective to having unity in that culture at that time. But these precepts, the best way I can explain it for you wives, if if we want to have successful families, be supportive. And in that challenge, understand that how your man succeeds is directly related to you. Is directly related to you. How I succeed, my wife is my greatest counselor. She encourages me, and in those moments where I'm whining and complaining a little bit too much, she knows how to kick me. She's my greatest supporter. And that makes our team thrive. Husbands, what does a a team player look like? It means sacrificing for your wife. Exalting her and lifting her up. Making her the priority. Being patient, being kind, not remembering wrongs, offended. Being willing to lay down your life for her. And where do we get that? We get that from Paul's instructions about Look, your relationship with your wife out of Ephesians 5 is just like Christ's relationship with the church. How you saw Christ treats the church, that's how you are to treat your wives. Christ died for the church. That's the kind of love Paul's talking about. This is what makes a good team. Children, what does a team player look like? I really struggle with this because I love alliteration. You know I love alliteration if you've been taking notes. And I had to go through the dictionary for about 10 minutes last night to find an S word that would work with obedience. Sublime. Sublime. That because of our actions, the result is something that is truly beautiful and perfect. It's sublime. To be sublime in our attitudes. Let me take you through a couple things and we'll finish out. You know, we're to be like Christ... And and as we look at these precepts, and we look at how they fit within each role of the team, within the family, we need to look no further than Christ. There is no greater illustration. Forget the Incredibles. Forget about the football team. Just look to Christ. And if Christ was willing to submit Himself and not count equality with God something to be grasped, do you think that Christ can carry you through and give you a deep appreciation as to your role, women, within the family structure to support what the spiritual leader quote-unquote is trying to do. Because that's what Christ's role was here on earth. He says, I do nothing of my own accord. He says, I am here about my what? Father's business. Yet, I'd love to see somebody raise their hand. <laughs> Nobody would do that even if they believed it. But think about it. Raise your hand if you think Jesus Christ is less than the Father. Right? We don't, it doesn't work that way. The Father, Jesus, and, and the Spirit, they're all equal, but they have different what? Roles. You see how our relationships mimic the relationship within the Trinity. Isn't it beautiful? And when we come under, underneath that concept, we end up having a successful family. Secondly, husbands, be like Christ. Well, I've been alluding to this Ephesians passage, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Wives, I hope you feel that way from your husband. This is going to add for some great conversation after church today, right? Let's all go to Coco's and hash it out. Third, children, be like Christ. And when He came to this place, He said to them, pray that you may not enter in temptation. And He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from Me. Nevertheless, what? Not My will, but Your will. You see, Jesus demonstrated The ability to conquer over the temptation. And the results were what? Sublime. Sublime. The norm norm or measure by which any thought or action is to be judged, a success or failure, right or wrong, is love. All of this is to be done in love. Next week, we're going to be talking about these guys. Priscilla and Aquila. And we're going to look at these five verses and see how that responds to what we were looking at in precept and people today. This morning as I close in prayer, I'm going to pray over the offering. And thank you for for, uh, listening so attentively. Um, I pray that, you know, there's a lot of information here. And I pray that what you're looking at and what you're learning and what you're seeing, that it's not just something that would be... would be just listened to, but that you would take it and you would utilize it in your own lives and examine and say, what, what is it that I need to do differently? What is it that I need to make a priority? How do I need to change today? And so this morning, in closing, as I, as I pray in closing, um, let's bow our heads and I'll commit the offering this morning and then the precepts and, and people that we examined out of Scripture. Father, today we go over a passage that's not very popular. It's not very popular in the world, and it's definitely not popular in the world, but it's also something that's misunderstood and constrained within the church itself. I pray that as much as I tried to be clear that I wasn't confusing, that individuals were inspired to what their role to be a successful family looks like, and that we never look at each other as less than, because... According to You, each of us is equal. Each of us was made in Your image. Each of us has equal value. And we are deeply loved. So much so that Your Son was willing to die for all of us. Thank You, Lord. Bless our offering. Use it to Your glory. Use it to further the kingdom, to help those in need, and to carry out the Gospel. To You be the glory, Father. Amen. Let me close this morning with just these simple words. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace.